Hello, and welcome back to the Economic Review. When socialism is discussed in an American political context, the Scandinavian model is often looked upon as the ideal modern interpretation of Marxist ideals. When examining the Scandinavian model thoroughly, one tends to notice that the economic system in Nordic countries is entirely different than that of which is proposed by socialist politicians in the USA. Let us take the example of Sweden, which is one of the examples most commonly used by the American left. After the Second World War, Sweden was one of the wealthiest countries on the planet, with one of the highest GDP per capita in the world. Sweden engaged in free trade, had very little government intervention in the market, and much lower tax rates than the rest of Europe and much of the world at the time. Naturally, with free market reforms came exorbitant wealth, and Sweden was doing better than ever. However, because of this wealth, politicians felt that Sweden ought to have more generous welfare programs and higher government spending, thus instituting large tax increases. Sound familiar? Unsurprisingly, this led to terrible economic outcomes for the nation. As the country's socialist policies expanded, wealth declined and tax revenue decreased, meaning Sweden could not finance such generous government programs. To generate more wealth, they raised taxes even further, and thereby tanked the economy even more. The problem was that they were trying to tax themselves into prosperity. Business regulation increased, and the system closely resembled the democratic socialist model promulgated in America today. One such policy that failed miserably was called wage earner funds. Under this plan, 20% of a company's profits were forcibly recaptured for the workers, who then had to use the money to purchase stock in the company. Eventually, workers gained more control over the business, meaning the owners were essentially being forced to give up ownership of their companies to the workers. This the plan was also a colossal failure as few people were starting businesses and the ones that were no longer had any incentive to put in capital or much effort at all because they knew that the company was going to be taken from them. Such policies closely resemble what many politicians in the United States have advocated for under the new name workplace democracy. Such policies had detrimental effects on the economy. Initially, the Swedes got wealthy due to capitalism on steroids, then used that wealth to try to fund socialism. When the wealth ran out and no more was being created, the country went bankrupt. Businesses such as IKEA left the country because of extremely high taxes, all resulting in disaster for the economy. Democratic socialism drove a once thriving nation into the ground. Interest rates in the nation skyrocketed and unemployment soared. The country was in a state of crisis. Banks collapsed, GDP dipped, and the national debt increased enormously. Tired of the failed socialist experiment, Sweden instituted vast free market reforms. They deregulated businesses, cut tax rates, and perhaps most importantly, privatized industries that had been previously controlled by the government. This liberalization of the economy saw total factor productivity rise massively and as a result, so did economic growth. Healthcare spending was cut as a private option was introduced. Pensions, the Swedish version of Social Security, were indexed 
meaning they would automatically rise or fall depending on the income index. As privatization expanded, so did the freedom of the people. For example, Sweden has a policy known as school choice. The way that this policy works is that Swedes are given a voucher, which they can use to enroll their child in any school they please, be it public or private. This results in competition in the education industry, which in turn means better schools. When the government has a monopoly on education for low-income individuals, there is little incentive to improve. But when there is competition, the market forces them to improve. Alongside increases in school quality and student results, such a policy also allows for freedom of choice. In this way, parents get to choose which school they think is best for their children's education. As more and more industries were privatized and government control over the economy decreased, inflation was brought back under control, and the country's economic problems were solved. Sweden once again enjoyed the fruits of a capitalist economy and began to flourish. Today, having learned from past mistakes, Sweden is nowhere near a socialist economy. Sweden, as well as other Scandinavian countries, often rank at par with or above the USA in terms of economic and business freedom. That's right, Scandinavia has the same free market, capitalist economy as the United States. The difference is that Scandinavia has very high taxes, both income taxes and a 25% VAT on consumption, for everyone and in return has extremely generous public programs. Additionally, Scandinavian countries have all sorts of measures to aid in, pla in place to aid with wealth creation so that tax revenue can be maximized. For example, Scandinavian countries have extremely low corporate tax rates as well as absolutely no minimum wage. Once the wealth is created, individuals pay high taxes and enjoy many government programs. Although the system reduces personal choice as to what individuals spend their income on, it's not the system that democratic socialists in the United States advocate for. Another fundamental difference between the economies of Scandinavia and the model advocated for by democratic socialists in the United States is economic inequality. It often comes as a shock to many that countries like Sweden have some of the highest rates of wealth inequality in the world. Note that there is a fundamental difference between income inequality and wealth inequality. Income inequality measures the differences between people's income, or the amount of money that they earn, whereas wealth inequality measures the discrepancy between the amounts of wealth that people have. For example, if you work a minimum wage job but inherit a million dollars, you would still have a low income, but your wealth would be very high ranking you differently on each index. Usually, countries that have high income inequality have high wealth inequality, but this is not the case in Sweden. While Sweden has some of the lowest income inequality in the world, meaning that people across different careers earn similar amounts of money, they have astonishingly high wealth inequality. In Sweden, 10% of people have 60-70% to 70 of the wealth. That means that all the talk about making the rich pay their fair share in America as they do in Scandinavia is based upon an entirely untrue premise. Sweden ranks second in the world for billionaires per capita. The American democratic socialist model 
calls for getting rid of billionaires, but that is not the Scandinavian model. It is the Soviet one. The American argument for socialism often revolves around the principles of wealth redistribution, from the rich or the 1% to the working class, through means of ludicrously high taxes on the rich and the rich alone. The Scandinavian model, however, lacks such disparity between taxation at different income levels. The idea of making the rich pay is not existent in their economic model. Everyone pays considerably higher tax rates, and in exchange, they benefit equally. In Sweden, the highest marginal tax rate is a whopping 56.9%. The United States has a top marginal tax rate of 37%, which is relatively high, but nowhere near as high as Sweden. To qualify for the top marginal tax rate, an American has to earn over half a million dollars, or just under 17 times the median income. In Sweden, the top marginal tax rate kicks in at about one and a half times the median income. This is the equivalent of an American paying 56.9% in taxes for every dollar over 45000 The average American household earning $60,000 a year would get to keep only approximately 27000 roughly the poverty level for a four-person household in the United States. In addition to this, they have to pay a 25% value-added tax on everything they buy, which means that if they spent that $27,000 on goods and services, what they would receive would only be worth about $21,000. In the end, this can mean that an extremely wealthy person will end up paying a lower effective income tax rate than an average or even below average person. This is because the top marginal tax rate kicks in so early that whatever is earned above that is taxed at the same level. The American left does not advocate for business deregulation and other laissez-faire policies to maximize wealth creation, which is what the Scandinavian model relies on. In that way, the socialism espoused by American politicians bears little resemblance to the Scandinavian model, which they use to justify their propositions in the first place. Thank you so much for listening to the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.